Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Baseball Buds Podcast. I am your host, Richie. Joining me as always is Matt. Today, we're going to look into some minor league stats, some league leaders. Um, we're going to take a look at some notes first, Matt, and then we have some pitching standouts. Are we buying or are we selling them first, Matt? How are you doing? How's the wedding planning going? What's up? Yeah, wedding planning's good. I'm going to uh, San Diego tomorrow, so that should be fun in and out. I think we're going to be there for like seven hours. I uh, wanted to catch a game, but you know that's not going to happen. Nor do I even know if the Padres are playing tomorrow. I doubt they are after a four-game stretch with the Brewers. Uh, but Brewers did, I think, take this series. Was it three out of four or was it two out of three? Uh, I'm not sure. I wasn't paying attention to what happened to today's game. I think last I checked, they were up 1-0, but I didn't see what they happened did, at the they end did win of that. Today. So they, they won three out of four games. Uh, Devin Williams loaded the bases today, got to a 3-2 count, two outs, and uh, a former Milwaukee Brewer ended up striking out looking with, again, a 3-2 count. And that was well, Mr. that's why we traded him. Rent Grisham. Um, yeah, it was crazy. It was kind of like the duel of the you know former closer, new closer. Of course, he has to make it dramatic in the final game of the series. But again, dude, Milwaukee taking three out of four from the Padres. Although, you know, Tatis is knocking on the door. And uh, I think that's kind of what I wanted to start today. I texted you this like you're seeing for those of you that don't know, Tatis has six home runs and I think like three or four games in AAA. And I texted you. And I said, really, the idea is that this is the difference between how good a player can be in AAA and then translating to the major leagues. But when you really think about when we get excited about players in AA and AAA and kind of the production that they're giving, and then you have guys like Volpe or Walker come up and, you know, maybe they have a little bit of a hot start and they struggle or they have a hot start and continue it or they're just cold right off the bat and you're like well why why did that happen like they were so good in double a and possibly triple a it's like well look at what one of the best players in major league baseball is doing at triple a he's basically treating it like it's a video game he's destroying everything he's seeing so i'm trying to be mindful of that when i look at prospects moving forward as well as in the past that even though they may have success in the minor leagues it's a whole new ball game once you hit the major leagues we're going to talk about a bunch of these guys today, especially in the Mets organization. But just be mindful, Tatis, probably a top five player in baseball, making it look like video game numbers at AAA because that's what it is for elite level hitters. Well, we talked about this off the air, just like looking at Corbin Carroll. I was freaking out at the beginning of the season when he was going through an 0 for 4, 0 for 5 stretch. And then I found out that he wasn't hitting the high fastball and everybody knew about it. Now, today, he went two for four and hit a home run, so I didn't look at any of those at-bats, but I don't know, maybe he learned how to hit it, or maybe some of these pitchers can't locate those pitches, and they're hitting him in the middle, down, and he can crush that, so definitely interesting with major league pitchers who can command the zone and have more than just a fastball to throw at these guys, but having said that, you did bring up the Mets organization so let's get right into our news and notes we have a few prospect call-ups one being brett Beatty got called up today i don't think he played today though it might be till tomorrow and then also zach nito the first 2022 draftee that came up for the los angeles angels he went over four in his first game i didn't see what he did today so i'm trying to pull that up here but matt what are your initial thoughts on both of these prospects he also went 0 for 4 today so he's 0 for 8 zach needless to start his career yeah i i really you know i have high hopes for uh, Brett B uh Beatty. i i think 
kind of reiterating back to the Tatis conversation, we have to be mindful that when he hits the majors, he's not going to be Bryce Harper. Like we just we need to stop thinking that these guys are going to be so dominant. We need to be understanding that there's going to be an adjustment period. I think what we've seen from Beatty, you know, what we've seen from Volpe is that they've been able in each minor league um, level that they're in to adjust. That's now what I'm looking at to determine a hitter and their ability at the major league level. And I do think there's going to be an adjustment period for Beatty, but we've seen that he has the elite level exit velocity. He has the power. He has the contact tool. And I really think with the Mets being in a position where they need to win, he's going to get the playing time because we just haven't seen Eduardo Escobar really be able to capitalize on the playing time with production. I think that's the biggest thing when we talk about a few of these players is opportunity. You talk about Nito. Yeah, sure, he's a nice player, but I think you're talking about, you know, a poor man's Dansby Swanson at the end of the day. Maybe a guy that's going to get you 15 home runs, 15, 20 steals. He's going to be solid defender. Like, that's really what the Angels need right now is a guy that's not necessarily going to complement Rendon, Otani, Trout, Renfro, a guy that's just going to play good defense. And on the opposite side, Beatty is being brought up for the bat. Oh, absolutely. So I'm curious. He does get 60-grade power, 60-grade contact on MLB's prospect list. So curious to see how that happens. Volpe did hit his first home run. He went for a little of a rough patch to begin, but he has four stolen bases in the last two games. So doing really well in my categories league, but pretty much the only stolen bases I have besides Corbin Carroll. What are your initial thoughts on Volpe? Anything else you want to say about him? Yeah, and this was for me. This was be too, this was to be uh, expected. I think I maybe had mentioned that on one of the podcasts, and if not, you know, you and I have either talked about it or I've talked to about that at length with other people. Volpe has struggled at almost every level that he's been promoted to, and then eventually it clicks. He figures it out. I still think we're probably two, three weeks. You know, early May, middle of May, from him figuring it out. I, I think there's no question he'll be a 270 hitter once he connects. You know, from that point on, at least. I think the, the, the line drive there is is, uh, is something I like a lot. Like his home run was a line drive. He's really good at attacking the upper part of the zone, which is something that we really concern ourselves with prospects, right? The upper part of the zone is usually that cold spot for a lot of these young kids. That's his power zone. So I love what I'm seeing from Volpe in regards to uh, projectability. But again, my big concern is do the Yankees, do they get worn out? And do they just say, hey, kid, go back to AAA? Because I think that's going to be a huge detriment for him. they got to keep playing him and allow him to really take to the major leagues. I don't think they will. Who they have to replace him that's any better. I, I don't know. But moving on, two notable um, starting pitcher updates. One good, one bad, both on our teams. The bad is Jeffrey Springs is out at least two months. Um, as of right now, with an ulnar neuritis. Um, and his elbow connected to the UCL, so not confirmed Tommy John yet. But I'm fearing the worst, but trying to stay a little optimistic because they haven't said Tommy John yet. And then the other update is Garrett Cole had a complete game today. So bravo to you, Matt. Um, yeah, he looks dominant, but better than ever. Any uh, thoughts on those two? Yeah, I mean, Cole looks every bit, you know, Astros Cole right now and it's for him it's really about command it, it, and it's about limiting those home runs which is ironic because the environment right now is is definitely a launching pad um, I, if Cole can continue this we're talking about the Cy Young guarantee obviously um, but the Yankees need this and Cole needs this Cole needed to finally live up to that number one pitching ace that he is being paid to do 
And he also needs to regain that Cy Young form because he yet has to win a Cy Young in his career, right? Verlander has beat him out when he was in Houston. So definitely excited for Cole. Didn't help me win and a huge bummer for Springs. He was kind of my uh, my dark horse in my categories league, a guy that, you know, you like a lot and that has in turn caused me to like. He was going to be my guy behind Otani and Cease that really solidified my rotation. So definitely disappointing. Uh, you and I have talked off the year. I, I think it's a matter of age. I think it's a matter of volume. I think as they, they ramped him up at his age 30 season, I just don't think the arm was ready for it. Um, I, I could be completely wrong. I'm just theorizing here. But it's definitely a blow because we saw huge breakout potential and capitalization. And we were expecting a possible Cy Young season from him to, you know, kind of challenge Cole. And two months, it's like, damn, you know, will he be back in two months? My expectation is no. Uh, for the Rays, I hope so. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and said I jinxed it with my bold predictions on our last podcast saying <laughs> he's going to get Cy Young. Did it with Drew Rasmussen, too. He he got blown up after our last podcast, so only Shane McClanahan's the one that's balling out. So my bold predictions have gone down the drain this early, so that's disappointing. Uh, but, Matt, I'll go ahead and just offer you Jeffrey Springs for your Garrett Cole in our Dynasty League right now. So if I were you, I'd accept it right now before it's too late. <laughs> Yeah, give me give me a five minute yeah. window on that one, and uh, I'll I'll mull it over. All right. All jokes aside, though, um, let's move on to some early pitching standouts. It is early. There's only been about three, maybe four starts, depending on the pitcher. So I'm gonna list off a few of these guys, and you tell me, are you buying it or are you selling it? So we'll go. Um, we've got a list of about maybe nine or ten. So we'll just go the first three, and then we'll go three. And if you want to stop and talk about them, we'll we'll go ahead. First is Kevin Gosman then Luis Castillo for the Mariners, and then Kyle Freeland for the Colorado Rockies. The one I'm most curious about is Kyle Freeland. Are you buying that one? <laughs> That's an obvious no here. Uh, very nice start. <laughs> we know Kyle Freeland at this point is a 4-4-5 four, four, ERA guy. Uh, he's got a couple nice starts, and, and I actually saw him, and I've said this before on the podcast, I saw him play against Kershaw in Dodger Stadium, and he won that game, and he looked really good. He's great at limiting contact. He's great at limiting hard contact. He's good at ground balls. And then you get him in Colorado and he blows up. So the truth is, plays on a really bad team, plays in a bad environment. Um, great to stream if you can catch him, you know, in San Francisco. But other than that, no real interest. Yeah, Kevin Gosman, Luis Castillo, I think that's about what we'd expect from them based on how high they were getting drafted. I am buying Luis Castillo. He's performing way better than I thought he would. I'm glad I grabbed him as my SP2 in categories. It's looking to pan out real well for me. I thought for sure getting out of Cincinnati is only going to help going to a bigger ballpark. So far, it's paying dividends for sure. Hasn't played the greatest lineups with Cleveland, Angels, Chicago, and Rockies, but I still think he can produce against a heavier hitting team. What do you think? Yeah, most definitely. Um, I, I think you you look at both Gosman and Castillo, and and you think – Ultimately, they're providing what you wanted. I think Castillo, though, ultimately provides SP1 upside because he has the environment, because he has a decent offense around him, and he's going to get to face the A's, you know, but Rangers are a little tougher. Obviously, you have the Astros who aren't really hitting like they used to hit. I think Altuve is missing, is hurting that. But I think if I had to choose right now, it's obviously Castillo. And Gosman has performed well to start the year, but they've played bad teams. So I think everyone needs to kind of really steer themselves back. I think Gosman's going to be a really nice SP two this year. Uh, if you have him as say an SP three, you're kind of crazy. Um, and ultimately though, Castillo is my guy. All right, let's move on to the next 
three pitchers here. We got Justin Steele for the Chicago Cubs, Bryce Elder for the Atlanta Braves, and then Pablo Lopez for the Minnesota Twins. Are you buying any of these guys? Which ones do you like? I mean, I think Lopez is uh, is definitely a buy, buy high candidate here, right? He's pitching really well. You look at the strikeouts, you look at the change of pitch mix, you look at the addition of the sweeper. Um, but again, like anyone that has Lopez is going to want an arm and a leg for him. And I do think there's going to be regression. So I think I'm going to let that regression sit in a little bit. We know Lopez's career. He's had one or two blowups every single season. I think as soon as that blow up hits, that's the time to call elder. I think probably at the end of the year, three, five, three, seven, five ERA, if he even sticks. Um, and then Justin Steele, no interest. Uh, I, I liked Steele the last couple of years as he was floating on the waiver wire as a streamer, but he's had a nice start. As soon as the weather heats up, he's going to run into trouble. Yeah, I like everything you said. Pablo Lopez, I do like that his strikeout upside has gone through the roof with the new pitch. I do believe in that. Even with the blow-up game, I wouldn't want to move him if I was the owner. Um, Justin Steele, I'm not buying it. Bryce Elder, I like him, but it's the Braves. And I think once Michael Soroka is back to form, I think he takes that spot. Kyle Wright's coming back. I think he might have actually came back, if I'm not cor- not mistaken, or he's got his first start coming up. So once he's back up to speed, I don't think there's room for him. Um, yeah, Kyle Wright's already had two starts. Not the greatest, um, but I think he has some um, rust he needs to shake off. So let's move on to the next three, and that's Hunter Brown, Jesus Lazardo, and Brad Keller. I'm going to go ahead and tell you I'm buying the first two, but what are you, are you buying any of these guys? Yeah, we you know we've talked at length about Hunter Brown at least over the last twenty four hours. Um, Lazardo, I'm not buying Lazardo. He maybe in a categories league, you know, I, I think the ratios will there, be there. I just need to see a full season of health before I have any consideration of buying him in a points league. And even in a categories league, like if I'm not owning him and trading for him is a big risk. Hunter Brown, you view him as possibly a, a future ace. I view him as. Uh, a really nice SP3 um, with SP2 potential down the road. Just not fully sold on his pitch mix. And if you really look at what he's done this year, he's done a good job of minimizing damage. Uh, hasn't been walking a lot of players, but his strikeout rates have, haven't been ridiculous. If he can take his strikeouts to the next level, obviously I'm going to see the SP1 potential that you are, but he just ha- doesn't have the put-away ability right now, which kind of reminds me a lot of Dustin May. Uh, different repertoires, obviously different skill sets. But May's obviously done really well. And Brown now has this little five place in this rotation. So if you're in a league and the owner's willing to move him, I, I might package up, you know, maybe a Justin Steele and a Bryce Elder are really two good names where if you could trade those two for Hunter Brown, yeah, no problem. I'm I'm in. But I think giving away anyone in the top forty for Brown just right now is a little bit too much for me, knowing that there'll be an innings cap. And then Brad Keller, like what he's doing, but he's a royal. At the end of the day, I, I just can't buy, I can't buy a Royal. Yeah, the Hunter Brown thing, you know I've liked him. He gets outstanding grades on his fastball, got 70 grade by a Baseball America, had the second grade at curveball by Baseball America as well. The thing I like the most is that his slider's up a mile and a half. So if he can have three above average pitches, I think that's what gives him that A side. It's the control. He's shown improvement. If that slider can become a put-away pitch with his curveball and fastball, that's where I'm seeing that SP1 upside. But if he doesn't unlock all of that, yeah, SP3, SP2 for sure. Um, 
I think whoever has Hunter Brown is probably not giving him up unless you're throwing a top 40 pitcher his way. Brad Keller, I do like he's done some tweaks to his curveball. Got some really great great stuff plus on the the model i think it's over 100 now so i'm curious to see what that does but that is only one pitch and like you said at the end of the day he's a royal so he's not going to get many wins so those are all the pitchers we had for standouts let's move on to some minor league leaders um for triple a pretty much just go to the mets organization we got ronnie mauricio with six home runs in 15 games brett Beatty, who recently got called up, had five home runs in his nine games. They both were hitting well over 350. I don't know where it stands now, but last I checked, Ronnie Mauricio was at 361, and Brett Batty was at 400 on the top. Mark Vientos also has five home runs in 14 games. So if you're a triple-A pitcher, you do not want to be playing Syracuse for sure. Matt, any thoughts on these three? Yeah, I, I think, you know, they're off to an incredible start. I think they're amplifying each other. Uh, Mauricio is a guy that you and I, you know, have chatted about and, and talked about in regards to hit tool and, you know, can he develop into more of a consistent hitter? And I think the power is absolutely there. He he reminds me a lot of Jordan Alvarez and everything he's doing. He is a switch hitter, obviously, so he, he has that ability as well. Much better power from the left side than he does have from the right side. I think that's his more developed power stroke. Uh, my question for him is where the hell are they going to play him? And I think that in itself will kind of determine his value this year and next year because with Batty coming up now, you have that infield pretty solidified. The DH position is obviously in rotation for the Mets, and Pete Alonso is not going anywhere. So my big curiosity with all of these guys is, like, how do the Mets choose to not stunt their development while still get, getting value out of them? I really probably am assuming that Vientos gets traded at the, at the deadline. They're probably going to go out and get a closer, get one more starting pitcher. He's probably going to be the big name if it's not Mauricio. You know, I think both of these players have opportunity to get traded if you can get a high-end asset into New York that's major league ready or already major league productive. Um, Mauricio, though, probably my favorite out of the three for the simple upside alone. I think Batty's going to be – I think Batty's probably going to be Gunnar Henderson in two years. I think they're probably going to be very similar. And Batty's obviously a lot cheaper right now than Henderson is because Henderson has, you know, all, all the fire around him. Um, Vientos, though, I think I'm fully out on, at least as a New York Met. Yeah, I, I feel like his average isn't there. With Ronnie, the hope I, – I picked him up in our Dynasty League, what, a week or two ago now, Matt? Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I didn't believe in this kid – until the middle of last year when he got hot. Then he went to the AFL and won MVP there. Then he had a great spring training, and he came out of the gates blazing here at AAA. And I was just like, yeah, I don't believe it because his hit tool is bad. He's got the power. Didn't believe it. And I'm just like, okay, this is now the fourth different league that you're in that you're still mashing. I was like, okay, I just have to roll the dice on you. Like, I'd be stupid not to, especially after moving Jordan Lawler to you. And I didn't have a shortstop prospect, which I love having at least one of them on my team. But I think with Ronnie, he could play second base and they move Jeff McNeil to the outfield because he can do that. And I don't know if they had an injury or not, but I think they've been playing Luis Guillarme or whatever at second base a little more. So I definitely would take Mauricio over Luis Guillarme for sure. But otherwise, I could see him being a one of the headlines in a trade package for one of those pitchers or relievers, like you said, um, we'll see, we'll see. Well, Let's and, move. And if you think about it, like 
say they call Milwaukee for Corbin Burns. Let's just let's just theorize this really quickly. And you're gonna offer up as your number one like trade chip is Vientos. First and foremost, I'm gonna laugh at you. You know what I mean? Like you offer me up Mauricio, where it's like, okay, Brewers are in lack of power. We have first base that can be filled by a player profile like him. We could probably move him to second or third base. Or third base. Um, I, I just real, and this is the thing. I really want him to stick in New York because I feel like with the veterans on this team, they're going to help develop him as a hitter as well as a defender. And if you go to a Milwaukee or you know you go to who else could we theorize? Like maybe the Giants. Maybe they move Logan Webb, which is crazy, right? It's I like, don't see that, but I'm yeah, sure. you keep going. Yeah, you know, you're you're limited immediately by Miami Marlins. Yeah, yeah, they trade. You know, maybe they trade uh, what Rogers San- and Sandy or Sandy. Yeah, because they're they're not going to pay Sandy. They don't they don't have the cap to pay Sandy long term. Well, listen, I don't know if that would even happen. But I, I guess my point is, I'm expecting Mauricio to be the guy that gets traded. You know, he he will if he continues this because they're not bringing him up anytime soon. At least that's my expectation. Because Vientos has already used an option, so he's probably the next guy up. I would have to check if, um, if he's even on the 40-man the roster, too. That's a big piece in this as well. Point being, though, there's a lot of talent in this organization. They also are, have shown that they're willing to spend, which means they're willing to trade. It's at least one of these guys is getting moved. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I don't want to spend too much time on this, so let's move on now to A. Hessen Kierstad has five home runs in... 314 batting average he was the number two overall pick in 2021 2020 could be wrong and then we have owen casey who has four home runs batting 303 and 33 at bats but he does have 20 strikeouts so (laughs) i know you love that matt so those are the hitters we have for standouts before we move on matt uh to the pitchers any thoughts on these two i think i think gearstead could be an absolute monster um, you know, I think the concern is he's 24 playing at double A. He's coming back from the mitocarditis, um, you know, obviously the heart condition caused from COVID. There was, a, I think, a full season and a half loss for him. But again, he was taken second overall. You know, we, we talk about a lot about what was the prospect pedigree? What did scouts see? What are we not seeing per se? Well, now he's absolutely demolishing, was demolishing in spring, did really well in the Arizona Fall League as well. Um, I'm liking everything, everything I'm seeing. The thing is, where does he play, right? Like Mountcastle mm-hmm. is demolishing the baseball, although he's striking out and has a terrible average. Like, does that continue where they just say, hey, listen, like you need to hit the ball more aggressively and more um, consistently. We're bringing Heston up and we're going to start him over you. So I'm curious to see where his development is. I think he does make a major league appearance this year and I'm expecting it to be July. And the Orioles are good with being able to move players around. Like, Mountcastle can play in the outfield. He could even play a little third. Um, so, Kierstead, definitely one of the guys that I think, if you need value, will be up this year. Yeah, I just I just don't know. Like, there's not enough room. And then you got all these other prospects. you got Colton Kowser. you got Kobe Mayo. you got Jordan Westberg. And you've got the outfield that's got Cedric Mullins, uh, Austin Hayes. Who's the third? Is it Mountcastle or is he playing first? So, like, there's all these guys, like, I definitely think he can make AAA in the next month or two. I just don't know if we see him reach the majors this year. Yeah, but let's analyze the Mets and analyze the Orioles, right? Like, the Mets have solidified pieces within their team, right? They have Sterling Marte. They have Pete Alonso. Brett Batty's not going to get bumped um, for uh, Mauricio. But then you look at the Orioles, right? 
you don't necessarily have as solidified pieces. Like, let's be honest. If Austin Hayes is really struggling for a three-week three stretch, are they that inclined to not bench him? I don't think so, right? Cedric Mullins, I think, is probably, with Gunnar Henderson, maybe the two only unbenchable players. Um, because if you're hitting and you can provide value, the Orioles are looking to develop you and get you up. Colton Cowes are proved in spring training. He's just not ready. He was overmatched, and he's had great minor league numbers, and we're projecting him to have a good career. But I think the Orioles, with all of these B-chip prospects at this point, are going to give a player an opportunity if he's proving in the minor leagues he is hitting. And, and um, Kirstead is hitting. Kowser is not. Yeah. Anthony Santander, that's the one I was yes, forgetting. Santander. Cold as ice. Cold as ice. Yeah, he's cold. But we're only two weeks into the season, so I got to keep reminding myself that, like, easy like it's cold you can get right back on track as soon as it gets better let's move on now to some of the pitchers we've got quite a few we'll go through them three at a time so we got matthew libertor change up some of his pitch mix 17 innings he has 24 strikeouts for the st louis cardinals i expect him to be up sooner rather than later quinn priester for the pittsburgh pirates in 13 innings he has 17 strikeouts his first two starts were not the greatest but his last start was pretty good had nine strikeouts and then Tanner Bybee in 11 innings has 15 strikeouts, got his fastball all the way up to 99, has seen that velocity climb. Matt, I'm waiting for you to send me a trade offer to him. That doesn't include Hunter Brown, but that's besides the point. Matt, I like BB Bybee and Matthew Libertor. I am curious what your thoughts are on Libertor and Quinn Priester because anybody who listens to the podcast knows how much you like Tanner Bybee. Yeah, um... I think Libertor has a good opportunity to hit the rotation this year because St. Louis's rotation and pitching in general is an absolute shambles. Fun little side note, I convinced one of our Cardinals uh, fans at work that they traded Arenado for a middle reliever, and he believed me because that's how bad their pitching is. Um, I, I think there's absolutely opportunity for him to step into this rotation, and I think a 3-5 ERA is probably his ceiling this year. But even a 4 ERA with really high strikeout numbers is something that we could be encouraged by. I think best case for Libertor this season is what we would look at, what we're seeing from Mackenzie Gore. Um, we've talked on this show a lot. Lefties take a little bit longer to develop. Libertor got his shot last year, wasn't ready. I think this might be the year where he comes, he sticks, and he turns into a developmental player moving forward. Priester, see a lot of comparisons to Michael Kopech, and I think he's an easy target right now because he's struggling at the major league level and he's had pe prospect pedigree. Priester, though, you have to project in a – Bad rotation in a, on a bad team. Um, I, I like the strikeout opportunity for Priester, but I think he's going to get hit a lot and hit heavy, at least in his first year in the majors. I do think by 2025, though, you could be talking about an SP3 for your fantasy team. Yeah, I'm curious how Quinn Priester develops. Let's move on to the next three that we have here. It's Brandon Fott for the Arizona Diamondbacks in 13 innings. He has 17 strikeouts. He was the minor league leader in strikeouts last year. We have Chase Silseth for the Los Angeles Angels, one of the pitchers that the Angels took. I think it was the year they took all pitchers for all of their draft picks. I think he was like in the 11th round or something. In 15 innings, he has 18 strikeouts on the younger side. I'm curious if he even comes up because they are running with a six-man rotation. And then we have Cody Bradford, Rangers prospect, 25 years old in 16 innings. He has 16 strikeouts. That is a new name for me. I'm looking, and I don't even see him on the top 30 of the Rangers prospect Correct. list. So Correct. 
I'm curious, have you done any research on this? Oh, it's Cody Bradford. Bradford. He's number 22. 25 years Baseball old. Baseball America. So he's older, right? And uh, we have his scout grades here that are coming from Baseball America. Uh, 60 changeup. I think that's the thing that stood out for me. 55 fastball, 40 slider, yikes, and then 50 cutter. So his put-away pitch is going to be his changeup. And I think that's something that could actually play for Texas because if you look at what the rotation is right now, it's actually a lot of like strong uh, strikeout guys. You have DeGrom. You have Gray. Um, you have... Uh, names eluding me, uh, former Boston pitcher, but uh, Nathan Evaldi. Thank you, Evaldi. I think you could have a guy that comes in, doesn't necessarily focus on velocity, but focuses more on on the control of the game. Problem is his control is only a 55. I think I'd like to see that as 65, but these grades are pre 2023 season. So we're looking at the strikeouts, 16 and 16 innings, 25 years old. He's probably beating up on poor competition, but I think if there is an injury, he may be the guy to get the call. Because uh, Rocker and um, Lighter just aren't ready, right? Absolutely. No, they're not. And then you look at uh, Silseth. I, I really like him, but the Angels have, I mean, just on our list alone, the Angels have three guys that are performing really, uh, really well right now. Baseball America views him as possibly a number three, number four starter. Control is a problem as of right now. They have him graded out at 45. Does have a 60 fastball, 55 uh, curveball, and a 50 slider with a nice splitter, but it's only a 45 grade. I want to monitor him the rest of the season. I think what you said is perfect with a six-man rotation. A single pitcher goes down, there's going to be opportunity. And, you know, he's kind of falling into our age range where he needs to be called up soon. But at the end of the day, they have a lot of guys that there could be opportunity for. Yeah, let's move on to the next ones. We have Clayton Beater for the New York Yankees at Double A in 11 innings. He has 14 strikeouts. Jackson Rutledge for the Nationals. He was a first rounder in nine innings. He has 11 strikeouts. Hasn't lived up quite to the hype that he's supposed to. And then we have Sam Roberts, Blue Jays, Double A, nine innings, has 16 strikeouts and is only 21 years old. Before the podcast, we talked about this Sam Roberts. And his grades aren't the greatest, but at 21 years old, I feel like grades can change because you're still developing. I feel like you really don't grow into your body until 22, 23. And who knows, this fastball gets a 45. Maybe that gets up. I haven't, I'd have to dig a little bit more into it. Um, I am encouraged by Jackson Rutledge, and this caught me by surprise because he's kind of fallen off my radar a little bit, kind of like a post-hype prospect even though he hasn't even reached the majors i'm curious what your takes are on these guys yeah so beater originally drafted by the dodgers second round uh 2020 draft was viewed as a reliever he was taken out of texas tech as a reliever did have uh, tommy john in high school so the arm had already had some damage done to it now in the yankees i think they're stretching him out but at the same time kind of keeping in the back of their minds that like they have produced dominant middle relievers over the last three seasons with names like Michael King, uh, Jonathan Loisega. Obviously, we've talked about um, Holmes before, kind of ascending to that closer role. He is struggling this year. I think ultimately Beater's probably going to be a guy that falls in line in that middle relief role. So you think about him for possibly holds and saves leagues. You know, the Yankees have a plethora of guys that they've been in and out of the end of that rotation. I don't know that he gets a shot there, but I think he could be an arm in the bullpen if he continues his dominance of the season that comes up and provides some late inning relief. Absolutely. Let's move along now. This is a guy you were very ecstatic about, and Andrew Abbott of the Cincinnati Reds. 
2021, he was drafted by them. In 10 innings, he has 25 strikeouts left-hander, and that's in two starts. So, Matt, I know you're very encouraged by this. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm a little pissed off at Baseball America right now. If, uh, <laughs> if you go on to their, uh, their main site, he is now the featured player on a uh, on a site that's you know very retrable and uh, i think you and i are probably the only ones that use baseball america in our dynasty league but those of you that are avid baseball fans you should be using baseball america um abbott is for me at least outperforming all of his scout grades he's a 50 fastball uh 55 slider 40 change of control at 60. i think if we're going to really dissect the tape we're probably going to see that control have crept up a little bit and what's so exciting for me about Abbott is you're talking about a guy that's going to play for the Reds team that has extreme danger with fly balls and environments. And if he can really uh, hone in that control, he might be a guy that, like Graham Ashcraft, can come in and really change the prospect mentality for what he was graded out as. I want to see, obviously, a little bit more velocity from him, but he might be a guy similar to Springs who can just come up and control himself at a level and then maybe develop that changeup in a way that allows him to you know, put away uh, major league hitters. I think he's a guy that you take an absolute flyer on. He's someone that if you pick up and he, he is ultimately called up, you have to be willing to drop after one or two starts because I don't think it's just going to click for him. And I think if it doesn't click for him, he might be a guy we talk about in three years when he hits that 26, 27 age where we could see him absolutely explode one season, kind of similar to Springs. Yeah, I like it. I don't know too much about Abbott, but he's definitely on my radar for sure. Oh, and uh, last thing, he was uh, 2022 second-round pick, 52nd overall. Again, he was taken second round. I always like that because there's something the Reds saw where they said, we can use that. And maybe that's just what we're seeing at AA right now. Yeah. Let's finish off this list. We have Sam Bachman for the Angels. He has gone 10 innings with 16 strikeouts. Emmett Sheehan. For the Dodgers in 11 innings, he has 21 strikeouts. Did a little digging into him because these Dodgers always find somebody. It looks like he's projected as more of a late-inning guy, but has a fastball that rides 94 to 98. Doesn't have too much other than that, so he only has that one good pitch. Look for him in the bullpen. Then Roybert Salinas for the Oakland Athletics, double A. Eight in the third innings, he has 14 strikeouts. He was one of the strikeout leaders, not last year, but I want to say two years ago. I could be wrong on that, but he was at, in the Atlanta Braves organization. I believe he was part of the Sean Murphy trade. He does have a great grades um, with the 65 fastball, curveball at 60, slider at 60, but his controls at 40. I know his ERA was a little bit high, um, but still encouraging because the Oakland Athletics don't have anything as far as rotation. And then we'll just finish up with these last two. Trace Bright for the Orioles, double-A, eight innings, 18 strikeouts. And then Mitchell Milano for the Pirates, 23-year-olds, double-A, relief pitcher, three games and six innings. He has 14 strikeouts. And not on our list, Matt, is my boy Mason Miller, um, also for the Oakland Athletics. Um, in triple-A, he went five no-hit innings with 11 strikeouts. Um, the thing I like about him, I feel like he's the next – person to be anything close to hunter green i think he had over 20 fastballs that registered over 100 miles an hour the thing with him is he has injury concerns dealt with a shoulder injury last year so it's only a matter of time before he gets tommy john so matt i threw a lot of names at you anybody you want to talk about here so um yes i think bryce miller is the other guy for you know, this is going to be a seattle mariners organization uh, much like mason miller 24 years old as well 
Mason is putting it together more than Bryce Miller is. Miller, I think, 10 innings, 10 strikeouts so far, if I remember correctly, looking through the numbers uh, earlier today, not having the same level of uh, success, but both high-end velocity pitchers. And I think really what the Oakland organization is trying to do here once they come to Las Vegas is have guys that, that can just dominate, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine guys that could come into the rotation and, and provide upside. You know, they have the, the two lefties in Mueller and Waldachuk that probably will take time to develop. Um, but I want to ask you with Solanus, who do those grades remind you of? And if you can get it right off the bat here, I'll be impressed because those grades remind me of someone you like a lot and has outperformed their control number. Hunter Brown. There you go. Hunter Brown, if I remember correctly, was sitting at like a 40 or 50 control just last year at this time when we started looking into Brown and what he was doing. Um, the big thing I think with Solanus is, can he do the same thing, right? Can he figure out the control? Because if he can figure out the control, I think he jumps into not only the top 100 prospects, I think he probably drops, drops into the, like the top 20 prospects because a 65, 60, and 60 grade, those are two plus put away pitches with a plus fastball. Like you're talking about a guy that's now dangerous, but if about a 40 control, who knew? he doesn't know where the ball's going. So Absolutely. really like him, and I'm going to monitor him this season. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's the guy that we're talking about in July is the most dominant pitcher in the minor leagues because I think he's right there with the age and the ability. Um, Sam Bachman, first over, uh, first round pick, ninth overall by the Angels in 2021 from the University of Miami, Ohio. I think, like we talked about earlier, they have a number of players that are knocking on the door. It's which player really provides that value this season. But Bachman also has two-plus pitches, a fastball at 60, a slider at 60, control of 40, though. Uh, much like Solanas, we just talked about in the changeup at 45. So he needs to develop that third pitch, I think, if we have any upside. Um, and then Milano for the Pirates, absolutely dominating. I think we could maybe see value come August if they choose to trade Bednar. Um, but again, he's young. Usually we'll see these these relief pitchers that are being developed as relievers or closers get called up 24, 25, 26. Yeah, I just looked up with Salinas. It was last year. He had 175 strikeouts. But... He went from single A to high A. Um, in single A, he had a 4.56 walks per nine. <laughs> and then when he went to high A, he had a 5.38 walk per nine. So the strikeout rate is there because he's got about 12 strikeout, but he has zero control. And I think the control scouting grade is accurate on him where I didn't believe that with Hunter Brown. So he definitely has the stuff. And I would almost comp him closer to, I mean, I'd have to watch some tape on him, but I would comp him closer to D.L. Hall. D.L. Hall has the stuff. He just doesn't know where it's going. And I would comp him more to that. If either of those two guys can figure it out, that'd be filthy. I'm not going to lie. D.L. Hall is getting a shorter leash each time he goes out. been tr keeping a track on him, and he hasn't yet to go four innings. And he's got at least three walks in the three innings he's going, but the strikeouts are there. It's just, he can't, I'm starting to fear that DL Hall is never going to figure it out. And he might just be destined for a middle relief or late inning role, which would still be useful. definitely for the Orioles organization. That's just kind of my fears creeping up. Yeah. And I think that's the fear for anybody when you look at their control grades. And that's why it's something I think we've learned to focus in on a little bit more now is that's just something that either clicks or it doesn't click. You know, you can figure out a, cha a changing grip or you can pick up a sweeper. Like, you can find a way to find a put-away pitch. You necessarily aren't always going to be able to change that control. A lot of the time, you are who you are. 
and the guys like Hall and Solanus, like, are they going to take that Hunter Brown step? Were they misgraded? You know, and like when you look at the Solanus numbers, it's like, no, he hasn't been. And when you look at Hall, it's just like high end draft pick just hasn't really developed into what they wanted him to be. I think a lot about um, Puck when he was with the A's, similar things. He was nasty, but he walked four guys, uh, you know, a nine inning stretch and it was just too much. So definitely disappointment and puts a damper on the prospect pedigree. Yeah, I agree. We'll see. I mean, it's still young. We're still in April. Still a lot of ball left to play. So we will see and we'll keep you guys updated as these uh, minor league leaders change, how we're feeling, our thoughts, risers, fallers. And we'll have more for you next time.